Welcome back to Ball Talk. Ball Talk. Ball Talk. Going, bros, we are back with Ball Talk. Ball Talk. Ball Talk. All right, and this week Harry is not here, but filling in for him is Wes. How are you doing, Wes? I'm doing all right, guys. Thank you for having me. Mic'd up once again, and here's here to talk to us about Formula One racing, which I just figured out is a thing last week from last episode. Shameless plug of last episode. All right, so you want to talk to us about Formula One, man? Give us what happened. Alrighty, so Formula One is a world tour, so it could be considered that it's only relevant to anyone in the United States one weekend out of every year, and that was last weekend. So the United States Grand Prix took place on November 3rd, and we saw Valtteri Bottas, who has risen to a high level of prominence in F1. Uh, he took the victory in the race, but the true victor of the day was Lewis Hamilton, um, who's one of the most popular F1 drivers um, of the day. Uh, he's, he's the face of F1, many who don't know F1, uh, know who he is, and he has had a historic run in the 2010s. As we're coming to the close of uh, the 2010s decade, Hamilton has won six championships. Um, does he hold the record for it? Uh, he does not hold the record. He is tied with uh, Michael Schumacher for the number of for the highest number of championships, and then I think there might be someone else who has even more. All right, cool. So he needs, like, mm. one more. So does he plan to come back then, or is he, like, retired? retired uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it might be – It might be uh, that that announcement might be upcoming. Um, a couple years ago, his his big rival was Nico Rosberg, if any of you all know who that is. Nico Rosberg uh, got his first championship and then promptly retired. Um, <laughs> That's how you do it. Uh, yeah. You leave while you're on top. <laughs> leave at the top, exactly. It's great advice for all of you who are going to Vegas. Yes. Leave <laughs> while you're on top. Yeah, so Hamilton, uh, despite the fact that there's two races left, Hamilton uh, pushed out his lead to where no one could, uh, no one can catch up. So, so, so how did he, he do that, took though? the championship. How did he, like, how did he push his lead so far? Mm-hmm. So something that many people don't uh, know about F1, this is one of the, this is one of the things that whenever I first started to learn about the sport, uh, really surprised me. Um F1 is just as much an engineer sport as it is a driver's sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, many ana- um, analyzers uh, and critics of the sport will actually argue that some of the some of the racers who finished in lower positions uh, were just as talented as, say, Lewis Hamilton or Valtteri Bottas, but it was actually the Mercedes engineers that were the true victors of the season. Um, and... The that sort of that sort of tension or dichotomy that we see in that it's both a driver's sport and an engineer sport is reflected in that there's a there's a driver's championship which Lewis Hamilton just won, and then there's also a manufacturer's championship which adds up all the points um, got by everyone on the team. So Mercedes is pretty much guaranteed to win that. Um, they've won they've won that almost every year, uh, I think except for two in the 2010s. Um, Mercedes has been extremely dominant this past few years, and 
um, in the 2010s, F1, um, F1 in 2014, they so F1 regulations change quite quite often um, in order to keep the manufacturers on their toes. So a V6 engine has actually been used in the F1 cars really? uh, for the past few years. Yeah, we think of V6 as like something we put into like a hot Honda Civic or a hot Honda uh, Civic or a, or a Toyota 4Runner. Um, but V6s put on the the highest level of engineering are the cars used by Formula One. Uh, previously to that, it was V10. Um, and then in 2021, then the rules are going to change again, which will basically take away any advantage that Mercedes currently has. But for all you car nerds out, there's got to be a huge difference between V10 and V6. So Oh, there's a massive How, how do you keep uh-huh. up with people with a V10 engine? So, uh, Wait, so are you saying that like... V eight engine engines like were not a thing either, so it's like it was just like a jump from a V six to a V ten. It's probably a range. So, um, so uh, F one, um, they consistently change the rules every few years in order to keep the manufacturers on their toes. Um, and typically, the number of cylinders in the engine that is V ten, V six, V eight, V four, um, is is something that all the manufacturers are required to adhere to. So in the 2010s, or in the 2000s, and leading into the early 2010s, all the manufacturers were required to build V10 engines. Um, as technology uh, became more advanced, uh, they, were able to, they were able to put forth some V6 engines that even though V6 engines by themselves are weaker, if they get hyper-engineered, if you uh, put some forced induction on there, things like turbochargers, superchargers, you can actually make a V6 engine be quite competitive. Um, and even though there's only six cylinders, these cars still regularly surpass 200 miles per hour. Has there not been a, a V12 engine race yet? Because this one on here, like Mercedes was basically the first to pull out the V12. It was just the mm-hmm. classic Mercedes-Benz. They had a V12 engine on it. Yeah, so um, in, in F1, there has been, there's been very strict engine regulations. Uh, in the industry as a whole, uh, people pretty much do whatever they want. Bugatti um, pioneered the W16 engine, which is basically <laughs> two V8s put next to each other in the same car. Bugatti's oh, done a lot of crazy geez. things. Um, Bentley did the same thing with two V6s, the W12 engine. Um, so manu- was- manufacturers on the road, they just go wild. I think the Bugatti F1- Chevron did something special like that too. Yeah, uh-huh. I think right I think the I think the I think they're one of the fastest right now. Is the yeah Chevron. the Chiron. Uh, I think it passed 300 according to Bugatti the past few, uh, according to Bugatti a few weeks ago. And that car, I believe, has a W16 with four superchargers. And I think that car has 18 radiators, which if you look at your car, uh, Toyota Camry or uh, a Honda Civic, that's going to have one radiator. So the Bugatti has uh, 18, something around along those lines. And I think that F1 cars actually have three. So they have some insane hyper-engineering. F1 cars also usually weigh less than 1,000 kilograms. Um, and their power-to-rate ratio, that is, the, uh, that is the number of horsepower over the, uh, over the number of kilograms in the car, is usually extremely low. Um, the goal is one-to-one oftentimes. Or that's the, that's the fantasy. Um, and many cars, it's like, it's like eight over one. So, like so one kilogram, uh, or one. There's one horsepower for every eight kilograms, but in F1 cars, it's I think one point five or so. So it's like these regulations kind of keep them tied down to not doing whatever they want exactly. for this race. Uh-huh. So but. it keeps the it keeps the sport standardized, um, okay. and that also, if every car has to 
have the same wheelbase, that is the same distance between axles, if every car has to have the same number of cylinders, if every car has to have the same number of turbochargers um, and the same uh, the same cubic inches in terms of the space that the engine takes up, then that requires the engineers to um, put a much higher level of subtlety in how they differentiate themselves from the other manufacturers. So F1 really is a manufacturer's, uh, um, uh, an engineer's sport by all means, just as much as it is, I wouldn't say more, but just as much it is as it is a driver's sport. And these teams regularly have a budget of, uh, I think, $115 million a year. Well, um, maybe since we're such geez. an engineering school, mm-hmm. TU should bring out like an F1 collegiate racing. I, I feel think like that'd be pretty we amazing. could do that. That mm-hmm. would be should we so cool. No. Mm-hmm. Could we? <laughs> yes. if, if we ever oh, just yeah. happen to get a surprise donor who loves F1 racing, mm-hmm. I feel like that'd be cool, a collegiate style. Oh Formula yeah, one. pretty amazing. Uh, it would be it would um, be interesting. Yeah, F one actually has minor leagues, which are F two and F three. Um, they pretty much only uh, they pretty much only have a lot of traction in Europe, especially Western Europe, uh, which is where F one originates. Even as it is now much more of a global sport, um, F three has very little has very little traction, um, and there's also some biases against American racers. Um, Why? Because uh, they're cooler. Tougher. The the the, the sport has a lot of the sport has a, the sport has a lot of like tradition in Western Europe and like Western Europe has a lot of negative stereotypes about Americans. Oh man, um, how dare they! Like they the first the first <laughs> the first. I mean, I'm not saying like I'm not saying that all Western Europeans. I know. <laughs> are, uh, I'm not saying that all Western Europeans are uh, think that Americans are terrible engineers and drivers. Um, Just those corporations as a whole the, around F1. The, yeah, in the F1 kind of inner circle. Um, American, uh, American-made engineers and stuff is they they have never they haven't yet proved themselves as much on the same level. We um, should just like get in yeah. like an enforcer style, like from hockey, but like with just a massive like Dodge truck from the U.S. Mm-hmm. in Formula One. So there is actually <laughs> there is actually one, uh, there is actually one American team in F1. And that's Gene, that's Gene Haas. How low is he um, on the list? So he has. Let's see. And his, who's his team for? Like his, what brand? Uh, he he he's partnered with Ferrari, um, okay. and he was formerly a NASCAR and IndyCar um, team owner. Shouldn't like the American team probably pair with an American manufacturer though? Uh, no. So F one, like I said, it, it's uh, it's one hundred and fifteen million dollars a season, basically. Um, and uh, and teams regularly drop out if they teams regularly completely drop out of the sport entirely if they don't do well because they um, stop making money. So yeah, to, con- to convince an American manufacturer to put that investment in to a new team that probably isn't going to be competitive for at least 10 years True. Um, is very difficult. Ferrari so, and places like that are much older. Exactly. Than yeah. They already have the infrastructure, first off, uh, to build F1 cars because they, they've been doing it for years. Um, and Gene Haas actually was, had, was partnered with um, – I think he was partnered with – uh, Renault previously, mm-hmm. and he might have been partnered with Red Bull as well. So, okay, um, he has stuck around as the only American representative um, in the sport. Uh, but he's he's had some he's had he's had a tough few years. Okay, uh, so but they've been they've been competitive. They've they've finished top ten in quite a few races. So we're getting there. Um, yeah, we're slow to the races, but we're getting there. Okay, exactly. So I remember last week you said Hamilton had to finish in the top 11 
mm-hmm. to not win like the overall, right? He had to get 11th or lower in order to not have a guarantee of well, at yeah. least tying. Of at yeah. least tying, right. And <laughs> then nine insane. or higher, he was guaranteed to win. Yeah. That's insane. And then he finished where? He finished in second place. Okay. Well, all right. It's just a nice little cruise. <laughs> so then the guy who got first place, was that the guy who's also on his team? Because remember, we had that conversation as well. Yeah, that's the guy who's also on his team. And so so he, could he have let him win? Be like, here, man, have this victory. He might have, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would have been a – that would have – that could have – there could have been many motivations for letting him do that. Which um, I could see why. It would still get their team more recognition, and he's probably younger than Hamilton, uh, yeah, I imagine. Botas, yeah, so Botas replaced Rosberg. Okay. Um, and so he's only been – Botas has only been a uh, competitive racer for, I think, like six years, and Hamilton is, I think, in his 13th year. So Hamilton's now the undisputed victor. Do they do it again every year? Uh, this Grand Prix? So they're gonna yeah, so, yeah, this Grand Prix, I believe the contract with the track – Mm-hmm. And the the U.S. government, where they like let them like get um they like let them pass through customs or things like a little bit cheaper, like getting the getting these cars and their equipment through U.S. customs, um like without subsidies and stuff would be like impossible. I like all, all the amount of all the amount of equipment and stuff that they have, like it would take months and months uh, in order to get it all approved. So their contract that they have with both the the Austin Trek, which is the United, uh, which is the uh, Circuit of the Americas, and the and their, uh, their the infrastructure that they've built up to allow them to to make this race on schedule. Those contracts end next year. So after next year, they will, or before next year, they'll either re either renegotiate a contract to allow the United States Grand Prix to continue to be in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, or it'll end up getting cut from the schedule. Um, Ooh. The, I mean, if it gets mm-hmm. cut, was that like gonna be a big deal? Um, people, people will be sad, but races, races do get cut regularly. Okay. Um, like it'll be a big deal for America, but it won't be a big deal for F one. Um, but F one uh, high level representatives at F one have expressed interest in. Um, they've expressed a lot of interest in keeping the sport in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the most high profile races simply because. Um, the United States is a has a lot of population, um, and there has expressed they have expressed interest in creating a Las Vegas Grand Prix and a New York Grand Prix, um, as well as uh, potentially one in D.C. or Florida. I think was the fourth was the fourth consideration that they were having. But Las Vegas and New York are definitely have been. Las Vegas sounds planned. like it'd just be a good mm-hmm. yeah, L- yeah. L- L- mm-hmm. L.A. <laughs> L.V. is just. I don't know why New York is screaming a big red no to me, but mm-hmm. I don't think New York would be a great place to have mm-hmm. a Grand Prix. Yeah, I think it would be in New York. Uh, I think it would be in New York State. There's more like not the city. Bedazzled lights but, uh, everywhere for Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It'd be cool. Vegas is Vegas. Uh, much Vegas much more fits our uh, fits our understanding of uh, in the in the U.S. Like motorsport culture as as a whole is a lot stronger in <clears throat> the South. Mm-hmm. Um, or rather, just not the north, because like the middle, like the stuff that's between the south and the west, uh, such as Indiana and stuff. They um, like the Indy Five Hundred is one of the most famous races. But uh, further, the further north you get, um, the the less of a popular motorsport culture. From from my very much layman's opinion, um, we see like drag racing is very much understood to be a southern tradition. Oh, NASCAR obviously is a southern tradition. Um, 
And so it would be it would be it would be more unexpected for New York, um, which makes sense. Yeah. There. Plus it's a lot. Plus it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to get people's attention in New York because there's so much. There's so much other competing media. Yeah. Um, it would just probably be hard altogether. First, you have to get mm-hmm. a fan base there that yeah. wants it to happen. So Las Vegas, from what I know, is was the was the the more planned one. That was the one that had more traction, but. I've I have not heard any news on either of those races. Um, getting these races built, these getting these races built, these track contracts organized and stuff usually takes years. Um, uh, but I certainly hope that F one doesn't doesn't leave the United States. I think it's pretty cool. But so when does it, the season did, kick back off though? The season is still going on. So really, um, yeah. So there's two more races um, mm-hmm. because even though Hamilton, even though Hamilton is one, um, then. There's still there's they can uh, there's still individual race trophies. Gotcha. Um, so like even though you so in F one your your career is both defined by like what trophies you win, but it's also defined by how many races you win. So like if you have Max Verstappen for instance is a very competitive driver who just simply cannot keep up with Hamilton, um, <laughs> but he is like he's so good when compared to everybody else. Um, and he can't really keep up with Botas either, and that's Mercedes, Mercedes' car is just so competitive. Um, but for Max Verstappen's career, then any race he does, whether it's relevant to the season as as a whole, is um, is extremely relevant to his like long term legacy in the sport. Because when racers retire, their public uh, their their public image is often associated with not just the number of championships they won, but with the number of races they won. So even though Hamilton has already won the championship, um, if these other guys or if Hamilton can win more races, um, each because there's so few races a year, um, each individual race still has significance to the the racers' careers on top of the championships that they've won. Awesome! So mm-hmm. Hamilton still has a good shot. <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if Hamilton. Um, if Hamilton got the got first place in in both of the both of the, the next races. race is where mm-hmm. the next race is, I believe. Let's see. The next race is in Brazil. Ooh. That's the second to last one, uh, and that's actually one of the most historic tracks. Um, um, Ayrton Senna is, but is many would consider him to be the most famous F one driver of all time, and he's act- he was he was born and raised Brazilian. Oh, so, so he's got a good hometown yeah. shot here, and he died oh. on the tr- and he died on the track. So he died. Never mind. So <laughs> he's still in it. He My so bad. his his name, yeah. It's 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 a sad story. So his name is um, entirely um, associated with F one, uh, basically, uh, to this day. And he is born and raised Brazilian. So Brazil is Brazil. They they're pretty they, big they, on it. They like their F one. They like their Ayrton Senna, of course. Okay. And then the final race is in the United Arab Emirates. That's the final race every year. Um, the United Arab Emirates track where the race is held is like one of the most expensive facilities that like humanity as a whole has ever created. Um, so it's basically like a big flex uh, by F1. Of yeah, like we know how to spend what money. A level, what a level of luxury. <laughs> what a level of lu- luxury that F1 kind of perpetuates. Um, so... Yeah, the track the track in um in the United Arab Emirates is uh it's it's remarkable. Um there's a hotel on top of the track. Yeah um, that oh the drivers gosh. drive down. Um the pit stops are underground and there's these complex tunnels. Okay. Um that's pretty cool. 
uh, yeah, the track is the track is like lit, um, which doesn't sound very innovative, but no other tracks, no, it's the only race that happens at night. I think is the United Arab Emirates. Uh, all all the other ones, um, it's too risky. But the United Arab Emirates track had like this billion dollar lighting system set up. Not billion, hundreds of millions, or at least tens. I of mean, millions it's probably billions. Lighting. It's the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. But also that would make uh-huh. sense because it's so hot during like the day. Yeah. You could probably pop tires and put like races in more risk by having it during yeah. the day. Yeah, that's a good that point. That is actually, uh-huh. I, I would have thought of that. But then there's just the fact the UAE mm. just likes to flex financially whenever they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the the UAE track is um, is is absolutely remarkable um, as like an engineering and, uh, and stuff feat. And um, yeah, it's the only, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's the only race that happens at night, which is just another thing. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Honestly. and that's and that's that's the one where they close out the season, um, and then it picks up at when like so. The, when is the start? The schedule typically starts in uh, this year. It started on March uh, March seventeenth was the first Grand Prix. The season officially starts on March March fifteenth with qualifying rounds. Mm-hmm. So, so they like, got a good four month all the break. Races. Yeah, uh huh. So it's like a cl- any classic season. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes it starts as late as early as early April. Sometimes it starts as as early as early March. Um, but so, so they just kind of keep it's up all pace pretty, with baseball. It's all pretty consistent. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a it's it's a pretty similar pretty similar schedule to baseball. That makes sense because when you think of a baseball crowd, it kind of fits in with the I think the Formula One crowd. At least going off of stereotypes I've seen in movies, I think mm-hmm. it kind of fits in a little bit. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, F one is uh F one has is a really unique question in terms of in terms of market appeal because uh, there's n- absolutely no consistency in terms of uh, in terms of demographic that you're gonna catch at at every race. Um, it's not like F one can only can only appeal uh, F one if it only appealed to uh, specific demographics, then it wouldn't be able to um, if it uh, it wouldn't be able to sustain itself because it is so international. So. They, the the marketers are really forced to um, are really forced to uh, put a lot of emphasis on uh, making making the sport appeal to as many people as possible um, simply because it is it is by design international they can't depend on they can't depend on uh, one's, one's, one space to hold up their financial situation All but right. there is a lot of European races that is that is certainly where the uh, that is certainly w- the eye of the storm in terms of F one. That's where all the teams are based. So, <clears throat> the next the next race is where? It's in Brazil. And mm-hmm. what are your predictions for that race? Um, I have been a big Max Verstappen fan for a couple of years. I, y'all heard me mention him earlier. I said that he can't really compete with Hamilton. Um, he can't compete with Hamilton on a season base, as we've seen. But on a race to race basis, Verstappen is always in the um, Verstappen is always in the in the competition for first place, and Verstappen is about 20, 25 right now. Okay. Um, he became my favorite racer because he, whenever I was about fifteen and I was just learning about F one, he was he had just turned eighteen, and he, so my math doesn't add up on those ages. He's more like twenty three, I think. Um, oh, so he's young. Okay. He had so he entered F one like the day after he turned eighteen, which was like, which was like remarkable and like a big thing so i really loved him as kind of this underdog guy who as as like a as a teenager and he was a teenager i felt like more connection with him than i did with the older racers um 
And so I love to see Verstappen, and, and he's being really competitive this year. Um, and so I'm gonna predict that uh, he, I'm gonna predict that he finishes top three. Okay. Um, uh, I think I have to go with Hamilton to take this race. Um, we can see. I think we can see on the website who has won it in past years. That's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting patterns that we see is that we see drivers win the same race year after year mm-hmm. um, and then do terrible in other races. Um, based on probability, I say that this is probably a good race for Hamilton because okay. basically every race is. Well, um, I mean, yeah. he gave it. He purposely lost this last race, mm-hmm. which is what it sounds like. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't it's know be interesting. how mm-hmm. to watch Formula One, but. It's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to watch it. Um, you can watch highlights on uh, YouTube usually, um, and it's typically available on a lot of the the United States Grand Prix is typically available on ESPN, uh, probably ABC, a lot of national sports networks. The um, the other Grand Prix are usually much harder to find in the United States. Right. Um, but you can always figure it out. Okay. All right. Okay, so that about wraps it up for Formula One. That wraps you, it up, yeah. All right, let's uh-huh. move on to Tulsa basketball. It let's kicked do off, it. Uh, besides Expedition Games, it kicked off this week with the men facing Houston Baptist and the women facing SFA. Uh, Jenna, you, you went to the women's game, correct? Yes, I did. You, you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, I guess. You uh, want me to. I mean, you know I don't talk about you, sports. Well, your personal take on it, what did you think? I know they lost. Uh, the final was 63-67, another really close match. It was yeah, tell a us about that. great <laughs> game. Um, I don't really know how to, like, this is weird because this is the first year that, like, I'm going to games and one knows what happens, two knows how practices are run, and, like, three and not sitting on the side where I am a staff member and I'm a fan yeah. again. So this is, like fun for me um because i don't know watching the girls play um i don't know it was it's just it's kind of weird now seeing it from like a different perspective but to talk about the game as a whole um the girls came out and they they fought for um they fought for just the whole time um i wasn't there for like the beginning half of the game because i was in class but um, I got out early, went straight to the game, um, watched them. I think when I got, when I came in, they were down by 20 points or something like that. And they, by the end of the fourth quarter, they were able to like be within, like multiple times were, in, were within range where if somebody made a three, they would either tie the game up or be in the lead. Rain Kane. Yes. Yeah, so it was like, it was very much a fast-paced game this time around. It wasn't slow because we have had slow games in the past where you're kind of just sitting there and it's like, to- like we're either we're getting our ass kicked or the other people are getting their butts kicked and you were all just sitting there looking at each other like this game is taking far too long. Um, I wish it was just over because it's not fun for anybody. Um, but this wasn't that game. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to Kayla Mutri, who I found out in the report for the game was not mentioned she played 16 minutes while most people played um thir- 30 like yeah. 25 to 30 starters play up to 35 yeah so started play 35 minutes she played only 16 she's not mentioned in the report but she led the team in assists which um is important which is important <laughs> and not to knock rebecca the sky because i love rebecca the sky but 
she wasn't on the top of her game, I guess, this she time was around. Pretty low. She only had nine points. Yeah, and yeah. she's she is she is usually on fire. And they mentioned her before they mentioned Mutri, and yeah, she was in thirty minutes and didn't see much of it, honestly. Yeah, so which was kind of upsetting. It's just an, it's just um, a rough start. For, so, that's all it is. but yeah, no, she's like she. I know how I know how she plays. I know like who she is. She'll most definitely make a comeback within like the next couple games or whatever, and prove once again why we love Rebecca Sky. Also, shout out to Morgan Brady because uh, she has slowly become the queen of the threes. She hit three against SFA. Yes, she. Um, well, she is so dedicated. She will be in the actual lock, not locker room, the court or the practice gym for hours, like putting up shots. Um, and so I see her. I've seen her discipline. I know how disciplined she is. So to see that, like, come back and be, um, be able to be shown in a game is was really great. Um, Maddie Biddle, and who else? Um, Addison Richards did really yeah. good. Fifteen points was she was the leader for points. Yes, which um, she only played twenty four minutes. Which is shout out to I was almost said Maddie. Shout out to Addie because um, Addie has. If this is how Addie is going to be for the whole year, this like I would say look out for her because she hasn't always been there, mm-hmm. uh, like for the past four years. But she in the past like two to last last year to two years ago, she's been like slowly on an uptick, and I can see her going places. Um, yeah, because only twenty four minutes in and getting basically almost a score for every more than every two minutes. Yeah, that, that's impressive. Yes, um, and then. This week, uh, we didn't have, um, what is her name? Lex Galden. She's out with a, a calf sprain. Oh, so she won't be um, gone long then. Uh, she won't be gone long. Um, hopefully, her knees hold up. Um, uh, DJ is out, I think, still with a foot injury. And then... Um, Are those both starters or just... Um, well, I have no idea if DJ is going to be a starter because she's a freshman. Um, oh, okay. So it's up in the air. Maybe when her foot gets better, she might be a starter. Um, and then there was somebody else who didn't play because of an industry injury, but I cannot tell you who that is. Um, and then I know Maddie Wash will not be playing this season because she is a transfer and her um, transfer did not get approved to play this year. Where's she transferred from? Um, hold on, I can I have that pulled up somewhere. But uh, I like the point that you made with Mutri about assists. Um, I heard a great quote from NBA player Nikola Jokic about assists. He said. If you score a point, you make yourself happy. But if you get an assist, you make two people happy. Um, I think that's a great sentiment to just like defend the merit of the assist. So I, shout I out Mutri on that. She um, so um, I'm not saying this because I'm like friends with her also, but like uh, she's a very good player, and she does not always get the credit she deserves when she is out on the court, which can be rather frustrating. What year is she? She's a sophomore. Oh, and she's still got time. She still has time. Um, but I know last year she had some moments where, like, she really proved herself and Coach was still putting her on the bench and it was just kind of like, what are you doing? Um, so she might be a senior's first kind of coach. She she might be. Like, you're uh, too green to start or something like that. Maybe. We, Which works sometimes. I Yeah, I guess. Um, she's a trans... Maddie Wash is a transfer from... I just looked at it. Oh, um, in New Mexico. New Mexico. Okay, not bad at all. Um, oh, and then I didn't mention Kendra and Elliot. How can I forget? Uh, can oh, that's who, uh, that's who else. Sorry, 
backtracking. Who else is out is also Desiree Lewis. She's also out um, right now with an injury, but she should be back relatively soon. Um, but Kendra and Elliot also did really well this game. Second for points, 13. Yes. yes. And she also was like who Moochie was assisting a lot on the okay. court. So um, not to take away from her points because you still if you can still make the point on the assist, that's crucial as well. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say anybody was being <laughs> fouled um, unjustly. There were a couple fouls that were unjust. Like uh, KK Rodriguez got fouled in like the last 26 seconds of the game. Uh. Or she, fa- she fouled. What happened was the ball got f- checked in and she went to grab the ball. Didn't touch the player just grabbed the ball and went to like yank it out of her hand so she could make a drive and the ref called it as a foul. And so everybody was like, what? And they they called it a foul. And like the, it's all ball ref. The, like the, uh, I don't know who the uh, young lady was, but she also wasn't going up for a shot. She was literally trying to find someone to pass the ball to. They called a foul on a KK and then (laughs) gave her, uh, like two free throws, like free throws. So that's what could have helped make the difference. They were probably only trailing by two points at that time because the final was only 67 63. Yeah. Um, I think when she fouled her, like we were at, uh, if it was 63, it was like, it was like 63 66. So all we had to do was make a three. And oh. then, which call- seemed likely with how many was actually made during yes. this game. And then she got caught, that foul called. Well, there were well, there were two fouls. There was one foul that was called, and that gave them two point. They gave them two shots, and they only made one, so they took it to sixty three, sixty five. And then when KK got KK got the foul on her, it went from sixty five to sixty seven. Seven. Yeah. So. Which is crazy because it says right here they were trailing at one point by twenty four points. Yes, and, and that the was third quarter. They kind of rallied back mm-hmm. and made thirty points in the third alone. Yes, it was like does it was like so it wasn't I wouldn't say strange but it was just like so wild like I walked in and I was like oh like I wasn't paying attention to the score I was like okay I'm gonna sit here and watch the game and I walk in and I'm sitting down and then like uh SFA scores and I was like oh lord and then I looked up and it was like 24 42 I said excuse me <laughs> and I was like and then within like two minutes of me noticing the score it went it went 47 30 something and you were just like excuse like and they just came they came right back they really rallied back the second half uh mm-hmm. it just kind of fell short it looks like in the fourth because uh no no that in the fourth they did good too they had mm-hmm. 28 yep uh man it just fell um, short probably due to those fouls at the end yes which i i think i said last week during the mm-hmm. exhibition game the girls need to work on not fouling um the people who like always get fouls called on them are um, Dez and for some reason Morgan Brady um, always get fouls called on them and they're not ever really doing things. Um, KK gets a lot of like accidental fouls, like where she's literally just trying to complete a play that Mossman told her to complete and somehow she's getting a foul called on her. Um, Kendra and Elliot fouls, <laughs> um, but most of the time it's because she's a big player and. Sometimes that happens. Yeah, yeah, and if like somebody's falling, somebody's falling, and that's just because like you are not getting through her if she doesn't want you getting through her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I'm interested to see how the season's going because this is an indicator for how the season's going. Um, 
it's going to be pretty good. The less I have to hear of Mossman's feet stamping, the better I know the game is going. <laughs> um, that's just from experience of working with her, but also, like, if at, if at any point during the game um, somebody makes, like, like the opposing team makes a very easy three, yeah. and you hear, like, heels hitting the ground, it's Mossman <laughs> being very, very angry. That's funny. And uh, that's how you know the three or the... The three oh, or no, the, the free heels. throw or whatever was too easy is because she's somehow doing that. But that, yeah, that. But I mean, that is, despite just it being a loss, it's a close loss and a good start. If anything, you want to lose early, shake off any like I don't know pressures, bad or, vibes. Yeah. yeah, bad vibes. You <laughs> lost. It's out of the way. Now get back on the field. You know what happened. Mm-hmm. The field, yes. the court. Um, <laughs> I didn't get to see Emma or Ella play. Because when I got there, they played, I guess, in the first half and not the second half. So I'm interested to see how they're doing. Well, I'm interested to see how Ella's doing this season. I know she did okay last season. And then and, um, Emma is a uh, – she's what a, she's a freshman. So it's going to be interesting to see how how and where she goes. Okay. Uh, I – we did lose. I really liked the the showing that we uh, that we saw in the second half um, – like we we took that we took that really big um, point deficit in the third quarter, um, and that's s- certainly something that I'm sure the team's going to work on. Um, sometimes it, sometimes your offense or your defense just gets overwhelmed. It, it uh, is a good sign though to be a second yeah. half team. The that's fact what you want to be the fact that even after falling down so much, they outscore the opponent in the fourth quarter. I mean, that, I feel like you want them to be an all around team, not just a first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, half. But, but if you like, had a choice, yeah, absolutely. Second half needs to be stronger. Yeah. Finish yeah. always has to be stronger. And the fact that they didn't give up and they finished that fourth quarter strong, even if uh, they almost pulled out a win after getting a huge point deficit, um, like. That's a rare quality in a team to be able to not give That's up. And so I'm loving that. Also, what I would love to have seen with the first half is um, so I'm not trying, okay, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible. Mossman has a tendency of like throwing out, of like creating this like um, starting lineup. And sometimes her starting lineup is not always who plays well together. Um, because I've seen it, she'll mix and match players up during practice to see if it like if it works out. And um, sometimes she'll put people who's like you're starting, you're starting, you're starting, and then they come out and it's just not, it's just not it for that game. And I think that's what she, what happened with the first half of this game, which whoever her starters were, just weren't it for this uh, for like the first half. Um, which is why I was like really shocked because I, I was really shocked when. Mutri came in and she had all these assists and somehow still wasn't mentioned in the report, even though like she like proved herself to be a very valuable player of that game. So yes, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it looks like it all started to come together. The uh, you know preseason rust is kind of dusted off at this point. They have Arkansas State this Saturday, and then immediately after they host Oklahoma State on the sixteenth, which will be a good game. Uh, especially ending so well on a game, I think they could definitely get the win against both these teams. Oklahoma State will, of course, be t- difficult. But as we've seen last year, it's certainly possible because we got good basketball teams all together. So what do you think, Jenna? Up in the air at this point? I don't know. Early? Like, I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like the – who did you say they're playing? They're playing Arkansas next week. Arkansas State and, and then OK State. Um. The I don't know how OK State's 
girls are doing this season so mm-hmm. far, like how they're like preseason. It's still so early. Yeah, so like I don't I if the last two games for TU women are any indicator, um, it's that we're putting up more of a fight this year than we have in previous years. So um, I don't know. I like I only see them going up. I think this might be I don't wanna I don't make predictions, um, because one, I don't like being wrong, but two, I also just don't like making predictions. But I feel like if uh if it's an indicator of how they're doing in preseason, if they can like close those little gaps, work on fouls a little more, that it'll just be like it'll be enough to push them over the edge and maybe they can get to like a championship or whatever this season. Let's beat UConn. Okay. Look. Let's do it. Reasonable goals. Mm-hmm. Reasonable goals. We'll get there when we get there. And the, <laughs> here's something that like um that people don't pay attention to is that um last year when we played UConn we lost, but Morgan Brady was also there with the threes and there was a second a brief not a brief second, but there was a moment where it was like TU might have been able to pull ahead of UConn mm-hmm. and um of course UConn like adjusted and was able to squash that out. But for a moment, we were all just like, "It is it going to happen? Like, Morgan was hitting threes, like, every 30 seconds. And we Ooh. were just like, oh, Eat. this is wonderful. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess we can move on to men now. Yep. Uh, I made the men's game, which was the Blackboards and Backboards third annual game, which means they invite all of TPS Elementary. So, to speak, there was literally 5,107 kids there. Wow. That's it was very... a lot very loud uh for all those kids but it, it was honestly fun having that many kids there uh they said that on the site they said there was a total of 5607 oh my goodness. but that was just everyone because there was also alumni and students there not many students not many students at all but it was also uh a noon on Tuesday game, which was kind of rough. Yeah, that was what also happened to me, is I walked to go to class, and I walk out of the the building, and I was like, why are the signs up for, right. like, the game? Mm-hmm. I said, is there a men's game today as well? I didn't know both games were happening it was same, on the same day. So I was a little shocked. But, mm. hey, did hey. the men pull out a win? They actually did pull out a really good win. It was 80-72 to 72 was the final. Uh, over Ooh. Houston Baptist, which is a Division One team from Ooh. the Southland Conference. So just being 1-0 out of the season is, of course, where you want to be. Um, they actually trailed for most of it until the very end of the first half. They, uh, I think Dryhorn hit a three and took the lead 41-38, uh, which Dryhorn actually had a really good game. Uh, he only hit two threes, but he had 22 total points to lead the night. And, of course, Marty Igbanu behind him was 16. Uh, that went – it just went really well together because they pulled ahead a lot in, in the, like, middle of the second half. But, of course, Houston Baptist was a solid team, apparently. So it ended up being 80-72, 39 points scored for Tulsa in the second half. They played a lot of younger guys. We saw a lot of younger kids especially Isaiah Hill, who's a freshman guard. He actually got in a lot of time today. Where does it mention him on here? I'm trying to see. What is his name? Uh, yeah, he w- Wait, he was actually the one who took up took for the halftime lead. So the freshman, Isaiah Hill, took the halftime lead, which is a common for Tulsa basketball I've seen is they'll kind of trail first half, 
and all of a sudden they'll take the lead in the second half. They'll just build on it, which is, I think, flawless if you just keep pace with anyone and then take the lead last second and then build on it second half. As much as the heart attack it might give us with bigger teams coming up. Um, one player I thought was interesting. I didn't see him start a lot last year. Last year I was working a lot of photos uh, for TUAM, and I never saw Darian Jackson play. I only saw him on the sidelines. But this year it was really interesting to because he had, I think, four or five steals and over eight breakaways. So he actually did a really good job defensively. Uh, he only ended up with nine points, but he just did a really good job defensively getting the ball, attacking, and definitely being the most emotional player on the court. He was always yelling and always mm-hmm. getting open, and I think he got fouled a few times for being a little too emotional with the other team. Well, when is he not emotional? That's uh, the, true, the real question. True, but I think you always need that guy on your team who's just kind of crazy. But the, the Draymond, the emotional core. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he's an interesting new starter. And also Brandon Recall was a, a new, new face to the starting team who ended up with 12 points, playing 26 minutes. He was a really good – he had a lot of assists. Let me look at this. Uh, added 16 and 12 points respectively. Had a team – 10 rebounds was his thing. So he led the night in rebounds. So good for him. I mean, hey, also important. We need rebounds. But I think the problem I saw with the team when I watched it is I'm sure several of those were offensive rebounds because a lot of the breakaways we had and layups and dunks were missed. We missed a lot of the easy shots, but we made a lot of the contested shots, which I guess is just something you need to shake off after the first game. It's just hopefully that doesn't carry for the rest of the season because you need the easy points. You really need the easy points. Um, but the good thing is they did still dominate in the paint. They were 48 uh, points in the paint against Houston Baptists, only had 20. So they were all, all honestly defensively strong as well in the paint. Uh, they hit all their free throws, 21 for 27, starting out with a 78 percentage. Whew. So that's actually right where you probably want to be. Mm-hmm. what it sounds like uh if you can get up into the 80s might be a little bit more comfortable but <laughs> certainly well they're so hold on i'm looking at their full goal percentage for the first half was 43 percent, and then for the second half was 46 percent, 46.8 even though i know you can't round it up yeah wish you could round it up but you can't um they're am i looking at the right i'm looking at the right team correct Okay. Men's basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'm on the box score, but box score is only on the Huskies. <laughs> so it does that every now and then. And so I'm just like, it's only on the Huskies website. So I'm like, is this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for one. And then um, the three point was 25 percent in the first half. Second half it was 20 percent, and then free throws was 87 percent. First half, second half was 63 percent. So they pulled out with like this with. Solid numbers all the way across. It was a smooth win. Yeah. We probably want that field goal percentage to be a little higher if we can. A little mean, bit, at least above the 50% mark. I feel like just all because of past games, I feel like our three-point percentage should be a little higher as well. Yeah, we lost some big three-pointers from last mm. season. Jariah Horn obviously stepped up near the end of the 2018-19 season and started laying down threes. It looks like he's going to be leading it this year. It's just well, The only problem is he's the only one who hit a three-pointer and only two. All well, night. no, Reggie, 
um, Jones hit a three-pointer. He hit one as well? He hit one out of two, and then uh. Jariah hit two out of six. Oh. Brandon missed one out of one. Elijah missed two out of two. Lawson missed two out of two. So they were trying. Yeah, and they Isaiah were missed one out of one. It. So they all they all were trying to put him up, but they it just it seems like stuff wasn't exactly yeah. falling. Yeah, as we much made as they would three want. out of fourteen free throws while. Oh man! Oh, I mean, while uh, HBU made nine out of twenty nine. So so it was a hardcore heat up yeah. basically for Tulsa basketball this game. It looked. Like, I think going into it, everybody knew Tulsa was favored over Houston Baptist. They had a good season. They have a lot of returning players, and they had a lot of good players coming up. So it was kind of obvious. Everybody knew they were going to win. It's just that first half probably was a little rusty, as far as that, especially missing so many dunks of all things and breakaways. There was so many times where someone like Jackson would break away, and he would go up to lay it up, and it would fall off the rim, yeah. and Dry would have to follow it up and just lay it. It's like... You had a good 20 feet before anybody could get to you. You could have stopped and, like, pushed it in yeah. the the bucket. It just... Yeah. It, there, it, was a, there was a moment in the girls' game where I think it was Rebecca Liskai broke away, and she was able... Like, she was, like, literally by herself on, like, the iron uh, in the, the court. The whole half, yeah. And she went to, like, make a layup or whatever and just overshot it. So it, like, it bounced right back out. <laughs> to which I was like, I can't be mad because, like, you're trying, like, to play fast. But, like... Yeah. Like, of all things to I, miss. I imagine it's one of those things when you go up to it, and if you think about it at all, you're probably going to miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just, just do it. You guys know how to do it. You did it all last semester. Just just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the, the most athletic players struggle on, like, the easiest shots because you really have to uh, – like, I when you're, totally when you're, agree. When you're on a fast break, you really have to slow down in order to get it accurate. And that's that feels that feels very contradictory. Um to slow down as you're going into for the layup. Well, uh, but and certainly showed what need to be worked on in practice. And hopefully it will show uh, show out in their next game uh, versus UT Arlington, which is this Saturday uh, for an away game for Tulsa. Their Hurricanes are – Hurricanes uh, has improved to a 4-0 favorite, favorite over Houston Baptist as of today. So they're a four-point favorite – not Houston Baptist, UT Arlington – uh, as of today, so it's looking okay. good for us. It'll be aired on ESPN Plus. Or is UTA Division One? UTA is Division One as well. Okay. They're another small D one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we face D two in the Mayor's Cup, which is Tuesday. Oral Roberts. It's an inner city rivalry. Mm-hmm. So excited! So excited! Good. Love the Mayor's, not the Mayor's Cup. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I feel like the men's Mayor's Cup is a little boring compared to the women's Mayor's Cup. Yeah, but, yeah. Why is that? It's just. I don't know. It's just so boring. I don't know. I wa- I've watched the men's Mayor's Cup, and it sometimes it feels like <laughs> TU just super outpaces outpaces ORU. Yeah. So like when you watch the men, it's sometimes just like okay, here we go. I mean, yeah, win the Mayor's Cup, but like we're gonna watch TU's men grab the one to the cup again. The but good like, thing is though, it's um, it's a really well attended game for yeah. TU and. TU basketball kind of needs that well-attended win each time to set the season, which kind of led to them also getting such great attendance in future games last year mm-hmm. when I think they had a good 20-point win over ORU yes. last year. I'm super excited about the Women's Mayor's Cup this year because we won like the first time in like... When is that? I don't know when it is. It, it's quite a while away. Yeah, but like we won for the first time in like five years or something like that. 
Actually, it's not too far away. It's the 21st, and it's hosted by TU as well. Yeah, it's hosted by TU this, this time around. And then, um, but yeah, I think we like, we, that was like the first time we'd won in maybe like five years. And so now it's, can we defend it and keep the title? The whole 21st thing. First is, is the, isn't that the day that we, that classes close for Thanksgiving break? Probably. All right. Looks yeah. Like it, looks like I'm staying a little extra. I mean, that's usually when, um, the mayor's cup is for women. It's so it's like I had to. St- I when I worked for the team last year, I had to stay over Thanksgiving break for that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the Saturday. It's the Saturday after the Friday classes close. Okay. So gotcha. yeah, so yeah. people will still be on campus, mm-hmm. but sweet yeah, it's very sparse. It's what? my it's my favorite type of year. Watching all the cars slowly trickle out of the parking lot. Mm-hmm. There was probably one thing that kind of made it almost boring, but there was a very lack of fouls for Tulsa men's in their first game. I like. It was hardly any. HBU had they had eighty three percent on their free throws, but it's because they legit only shot. How much you got the box score pulled up? Um, they have an eighty three percent on their free throws because in the first half they made seven out of eight, and on the second half they made wait first half seven out of eight, second half eight out of ten. So still not not many fouls at all. Um, I'm looking. I don't really see that many fouls. I'm not even sure if they're like counting the fouls, like on this. Yeah, yeah. But it, it it was just still a good. You don't want a team that's constantly always fouling, especially mm-hmm. when you have six, eight, seven, zero guys that are probably likely to foul. Mm-hmm. It was just impressive to not see them go out there, throw elbows, and get fouled. I also <laughs> really enjoy like how far of a margin it is for like the top player on HBU and like like in matter of scoring points. And like the like, like it's a four point margin between um, the top player, and he scored twenty points the whole game, and then the next player scored sixteen, and then mm-hmm. the next highest like three people scored seven, and then when you look at TU, it's like twenty two, sixteen, twelve, and then nine. Yeah. So it's like the margins are like very wide. They here. played good basketball. It's just the scoring just wasn't there. Luckily, they're facing a team like Houston Baptist. If they would have been facing much higher caliber team it might not have ended in their favor but luckily we start out with those smoother teams smooth win um something probably good to look forward to especially with ORU coming up be an easy win hopefully they get the win this Saturday I think it'll also be a tone setter if they lose are both games out of town this weekend uh or is men's in town, women's out of town uh men's is out of town women's is no women's is out of town women's is in town they are? Yeah, they're in center November 9th. Oh, okay. Uh, men are away in UTA, but oh, both of them come back. Okay, before. so women are in town Saturday and next week. So for the OSU, for the Arkansas game and the OSU game. They they are in town for their first one, two, their, their first five games. Okay. So they don't leave until, until the St. Mary's Thanksgiving Classic. Which okay. will be in California. Ooh, they're going to Cali for Thanksgiving. Yep, their first. Uh, they they're going against Western Kentucky. That which, sounds exciting for them. And then Marquette, which I think those are all pretty solid teams. Yeah, I do remember two years it, ago. Are you uh, men's or women's? Women's right now. Yeah. Okay. Remember two years ago, their Thanksgiving classic was in Alaska. Oh man! And so <laughs> they were all That's very excited about it because they were like, "So no," but they were also like. The moment we landed, I wanted to go home. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, yeah, no, I understand. They're in Cali this year, so that's awesome. they'll be fine, I I'm, think. But around this time of year, it's probably raining just a crap ton. Mm, no, it's just 
Instead of 70 and sunny, it's like 60 and sunny. <laughs> like it, it's a little cla- it's a little cloudy. It doesn't rain lucky. in California that often though, so that's a thing oh, as well. They're quite lucky. I hope they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, while we're cold, <laughs> we're cold, but they have earthquakes. So I would. I mean, we also and have fires. Earthquakes. <laughs> well, yeah, and fires. I also heard that like tangent. Sorry, that one of the, like the major California like wildfires was started by someone trying to do like a super cool um, gender reveal, and like they lit off a cannon. Oh no! And it lit something on fire and i guess they thought they got it out and they did not and it caused the wildfire and i said excuse me (laughs) i was like "Mm -mm." it's just so much pollution in the air in california it's just so dry anything catches on fire if you just breathe too hot it's not even like it's dry it's not even that dry like california because like it's a long state it has so many different terrains like you have desert if you're in the south you have like a valley if you're in the middle, you have mountains if you're in the north. Like it's Facts. literally like they got so four different biomes. And somehow mm-hmm. still it's always on fire. <laughs> They're on Minecraft medium biome okay. level. Is there anything else we're talking about uh, today? Are we wrapping it up early? We can wrap it up or we can go into OKC basketball. Go forth. Y'all wanna talk about OKC? All right. Me and Wes talked a little bit about uh-huh. it. Uh they right now are they three and four? Uh they are three, four th- and two. Three and four. Last time I checked, three and four. Yeah, because they just Sweet. won over uh-huh. Pulled out a the win. Magic, one hundred and two to ninety four. They won against the Pelicans, and they lost against Trailblazers once yeah. again. A bad flashback to last year's playoffs. Well, they're playing oh, yes. the San Antonio Spurs I tonight or at seven thirty, which is exciting because, like I said, I don't support many Texas teams, but like the Spurs is like the only Texas basketball team I support because mm. the Astros always let me down. See, I, I, the Houston Rockets always let people down too, but I'm cheering for them this year just because I'm a big Westbrook fan. So well, I like Houston. You're biased, so I, I am biased totally. Oh, uh, the Warriors are playing the Thunder Saturday. The Warriors lost to the Thunder last time. They're, they did. They since got Curry's pum- been they got hurt, pummeled. Yeah, hundred and twenty to ninety. It just shows that they are entirely a one man team. <laughs> I mean, well, currently Durant the... needs to step it up. Durant's gone. Oh, where is Durant now? Brooklyn? Yeah, he's on Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Did he not was know. traded last year. Look at that. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Apologies. So, <laughs> yeah, he basically kissed his career goodbye with that one. I mean, I think he kissed his career goodbye when he went to the Warriors just to get a ring. And did he get one? I think. He got, he got two. Yeah, he got two. Uh, and, and two finals MVPs. Yeah. And then. Explicit words. He was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I got my ring and now I'm gone. Now I want to go to a team where I might want to live. Apparently that's Brooklyn. I mean, hey, Brooklyn has Brooklyn's great food, nice. got um, great culture. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see him on Brooklyn. Um, they have a couple of my favorite uh, young players in the league. Brooklyn's uh, got one of the best courts in my mind. They've got a nice court. How's Toronto doing so far this season? They are not bad. They currently are 5-2, and two, um, which is Solid. a 714 uh, out of 1,000 win percentage. They're fifth in the East. Um, and I think Pascal Siakam, who was the breakout star of last year, uh, I think he's averaging like 28 a game, which is amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, um, I had a question. Let me look up something before I ask the, this question. The up? thing we were talking about earlier uh, was that Oklahoma City is not as bad as everybody expected them to be. They are not. They are mm-hmm. last right now in the Northwest standings. That's just to have five teams. Uh, they're behind yeah, Portland. The Northwest is super competitive. It, very. Uh, Denver's actually leading it right now, five and two. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma City's three and four, and it looks like they're on a two-game win streak. If they can keep it going, they'll probably jump Portland. 
uh, if Portland loses, mm-hmm. they Portland has to lose, which we lost to Portland, which kind of mm-hmm. sucks. I, I I have I don't like Portland anymore. Yeah, right now OKC is in eleventh, which is pretty far out of uh, eighth place, which is the playoff spot. But they're only one game back from the eighth ranked. It, it's still San Antonio very early. We got an eighty-two game season, and we're on game number eight as of tonight, our recording day. Okay, mm-hmm. so now I can ask my question: Go Where ahead. is Kawhi Leonard now? He plays oh, for shoot. the Los Angeles Clippers. That's Clippers, who it is. okay. Mm-hmm. Which who they just lost, didn't they? The Clippers have had the Clippers have had a couple of rocky games. Um, Maybe so up and down. Kawhi's Kawhi has uh, set out. I think three, two or three games of the season. Um, and Paul George, who's their other uh, highest paid, biggest star, is uh, injured indefinitely. I think he's going to come back uh, in about two oh my weeks. Goodness, now. I did not know this. Sorry, Blake Griffin is from mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. Uh, he is. He uh-huh. played for OU. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma City born. Mm-hmm. He's. Probably someone everybody wanted to cheer with, Big Blake, forever. Did mm-hmm. not know he had children, but he has children. He's kind of old. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's, uh, he's thirty thirty one now. No, he's no, he's just thirty. Okay, <laughs> he's just thirty. He'll be thirty one soon. He'll be thirty one in May, in March. Yeah, he's a time. He's some time. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I wonder is... is he's on the Pistons now, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long yeah. has he been on the Pistons? He uh, last year was his first full season. He got traded mid season the year before that. Okay, that's so what I thought. He's right. about. He's almost two years. Because I was mm. trying to think. I was like, I don't really remember when you were on this yeah. team. But so yeah. the story of his trade and what it has led to is very complicated because the players that he, the players that the Clippers received when they gave him to the Pistons were then traded, and then those players were then traded, and then the Pistons, and then the Clippers, uh, and now the Clippers have Landry Shamit, who... Um, they got from the 76ers when they traded Tobias Harris to the to the 76ers, and they traded Tobias Harris. They got him from the Pistons when they traded um, when they traded Blake Griffin there. Uh, Landry Shamit is a three point demon, and he did really well against the Warriors in the playoffs last year. Um, I think they also got a couple of other um, a couple of other black backup players. Um, Michael Green might have been involved in that trade. I seem to remember his name being thrown around somewhere. Um, and so the Clippers are tough. W- one thing, uh, we... but they can't hold anything to the hometown OKC. Uh, I, I mean, obviously <laughs> not. Uh, but we what got to talk about one thing. With OKC is SGA is actually good. He is balling. Everybody knew he'd be twenty two a game. All right, but when it came to OKC, as far as I know, the OKC fans were like, "Well, he's not Westbrook," and uh, I bet it was hard yeah. to leave y'all. It was hard for y'all to leave him. It was very hard <laughs> for him to go and then I'm, PG to go. Yeah. And we're like, I mean, fire it, the coach. <laughs> but at least it's not like Get rid of him too. when Durant left and y'all were burning jerseys. Oh, God. No, because all, Durant left for selfish reasons. and well, He I also underst- left with bad terms on the team. Yeah. I, yeah. So I understand why people were mad. He, uh, Yeah, he did not leave as good as he could have. Which sucks because I liked him. He did a lot of charitable things here in uh, Oklahoma. When Moore got hit with her tornadoes, he donated over like $2 million to repairing that city. He was incredibly active in Oklahoma. And then all of a sudden, he kind of pops a middle finger to us and leaves. Yeah, I mean, I have, yeah, tax write-offs. I had very big mixed feelings about him. Uh, But I eventually just assumed, I'm like, yeah, I don't like him. Not anymore. Hi. Uh, Is there anything interesting happening in the realm of football this week, or no? The one thing uh, I gotta say about football, (laughs) it's outside the UCF game tomorrow, 
is we just got a big commit, a three-star wide receiver. Uh, I won't give his name, but he's from Houston, Texas. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, what you say? Who? I said ooh because yeah. I'm from Houston. <laughs> he's from Houston. He's a two-time state champ. He had 15 offers, including Wisconsin, Indiana, SMU, and Tulane. So he must be from Katy. Chose Tulsa. He must he, be from Katy. He is six nine. He is 212 pounds. The man is a statue, and he's known for his one-handed catches. I'm going to need you to send me this link to who he is. I, I've seen it on Twitter. Because yeah. I'm like 96% sure if he's a two-time state champ, he's probably from, uh, I was going to say Allen, but you said he's from Houston. So mm-hmm. unless he transferred from Allen. Allen. He might Allen. have transferred. It was just on his recruiting profile. Yeah, so if he transferred from Allen, that makes sense. Or he's from Katie. It's one of the two. So he, He's a he's a big man. He yeah. posted his little commit video. And it was pretty cool, honestly, but it showed like their little machine for the passing, mm-hmm. and he just snags one ar- one handed catches like they're nothing. What is his reach? Because I mean, if he's six nine, his like oh, his arm know. span has wingspan, arm span, whatever. It has to be like deadly. It, it's got to be seven foot. Se- he's got to have like the Calvin Johnson reach span. If you guys heard of his, they said if a ball was thrown anywhere within nine yards of him, it was a catch. And that's, wow. that's a long distance, nine yards. That is spooky. So mm. that's a, that was a. Pro football player, this guy is looking about the same size. He's bigger than Justin Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Oh. Got rid of last year. Uh, not got rid of. He graduated. 6'9", six <laughs> six I think, is one of the, just some of the biggest football players in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jenna. That just got me. Sorry. Uh, no. What man. did you say? I just said that 6'9 is like bigger than... Ninety-nine percent of all football players in history. I He's, mean, uh, that's yeah. That's also for like, receivers, usually they range from like six seven to six six, maybe. They gotta be tall and fast is yeah. their main thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that I learned. I know they're usually at the, least six three. Yeah. The first time I ever went to a college football game and met college players, I was like, oh, I did not realize y'all were tall. Yeah. Cause like when you go to on school, TV, they don't look like it. They don't look tall, but then also like when you like are in school and you like are in school with people who play football, and you're like, okay, I see you every day, so I don't think you're that tall, even if yeah. you are. And then like you go and you meet like college players or like pro players, and they're just like, and it's like, hello, sir, I am at your kneecap. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. A, a picture I saw about Juju Smith Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers. The man is six six, but he had a picture of him next to one of his linemen, who is seven two. <laughs> And Wait, he looks seven foot two. He looks like Julian Steelers. Edelman in this picture. He is small. The guy is a almost a foot taller than him. He's just one of their linemen, huh. and that's like a normal size apparently in human beings. Um, that's not a normal. Where size do you get that? <laughs> His name is what? Uh, I don't know what the lineman. I just saw the picture on Twitter the other day. No, no. Who is who is the guy? Uh, Juju Smith Schuster was the receiver. Okay. Um, I think that out of a. Uh... I think that out of like 300 million people he's in the United States, Juju is. So that is six one. Okay, so I was a little, I was giving him some credit then. I mean, mm-hmm. you said he was a foot taller, so I was like, but then, but then, but then, but then you said that he was six nine, and I was like, what? And I was like, this is not. Oh no, the receiver we got is six nine, which actually says something. If a pro football player is six one, mm-hmm. and ours is six nine, and can run college time fast, mm-hmm. how do you Could guard have an that? NFL's prospect. How do you guard that as you a quarterback? Don't. Especially cornerbacks range from like 5'11 to 6'1. Cornerbacks are short. Mm-hmm. They're never that big. They're just meant to be fast with the receiver and normally be mean. Uh, but mm-hmm. you don't guard a guy that's a foot taller than you. Yeah. You can't match that vertical. You pray. <laughs> he'll, need to, he'll need to be able to 
uh, he'll need he'll need to focus on not being not getting bowled over. Easy I, I think if he's that's, so tall, then he could get knocked down. I think this receiver is based on his center of gravity. Perfect for Zach's senior year. If this kid can come out and somehow start for Zach to ha- for his senior year next season, I think it's perfect. Because for to have such a good quarterback, I think you need someone that, that that's that tall and may, might be able to produce like that. So, do we want to make predictions for the Saturday game? <laughs> Y'all can. It's UCF. But... Oh, it's gonna be it's all you're getting out of me. UCF. So, let's see. UCF has about 100,000 students, and we have about 4,000. <laughs> so, I'll say my prediction for Dang. the game. I'll say my prediction for the game is 100,000 to 4,000. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Yep, that's our prediction. See, Makes I'm, sense. I'm just going to say it's going to be... 30. In favor of Tulsa. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, All right. Those are like... What fantasy book are you writing? <laughs> those are like fighting words? Yes. Oh. Like, and then, <laughs> I don't know. I don't now know who's fighting, though, because it's not us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, we won't go into the reasons why for what my prediction is, but it's probably... I'm going to say 32 to 9 in favor of UCF. I'm going to say it's going to be kind of a big margin. Which, one thing to be mad about. That's reasonable. Jacob Rainey hit a 40-yard field goal oh. in the last game. Okay. Two of them. Mm-hmm. One was a 43. So, at least he's bucked up. <laughs> Good job, Rainey. Yeah, uh, go Rainey. Please, I have you predicted to make three of those Saturday. I just don't Wait, see a win so happening. You think that all nine of our total points are going to come from Jacob Rainey? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Positives. Or or at least a touchdown missed PAT in a field goal, which seems actually more likely. Mm-hmm. That seems like a much more likely thing. PAT? Missed PAT. What's this that? man. Extra point. It's okay. 6-9. What? Sorry, I went down the tangent because I was like, oh, I must find out. I must see this picture of this seven-foot-tall um, NFL player. And the only person I can find who's on the team is 6-9. So you got them confused. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, his margin of difference was still 8 inches. Yes. Oh. He's got them both So it's like inches, Juju is 6-1, and then the tallest player on um, he, his position is says O-T. Don't know what that means. Offensive, Offensive tackle. tackle. Offensive. That's probably him then. I figured it out the moment I went to say it. Um, yes, he is 6'9 okay. and 320 pounds. So I, got, I got a little confused. You admit, I probably saw that on Twitter like at I mean, 11. you are fine. <laughs> I'm just here to fact check everyone, including myself sometimes. I get it. We so, got to. We're the news. Um, so, outside of that, is there anything else? Any last minute things you want to throw in here? Uh, Thunder, please win. Tulsa... Proving wrong. Tulsa basketball. Keep going. I'm a basketball fan for Tulsa. I think next week I want to talk a little bit about uh, we can give a short brief on high school football playoffs because okay. it happens after this week. So it would be good mention for like Owasso, mm-hmm. people around us like that. Oh, you want to do Oklahoma. Okay. All right. I mean, well, we're in Tulsa. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Oh, and Owasso is doing very good this season. Okay. So. Good for them. Yeah. All right. Maybe Shout out Dennis Schroeder on the Thunder. He's having a great season. Sixth man. We want to get him uh, voted sixth man of the year if people are allowed to vote. <laughs> if, allowed to vote. <laughs> if we have a say in the <laughs> If we have any say. Huh. It, NBA I think, I think there's a fan vote. If so, a fan favorite. If so, seven games in, he's the man. All right. And Chris Paul, please don't be a dud. Hmm. Amen. <laughs> All right. Anything else for you, Jenna? Which Chris Paul? 
What? Which Chris Paul? The one on OKC. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the one on OKC or the one on TU's team? Because... <laughs> like, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I was like, there's, because I mean, it can go both ways. So both of them. Yes. Wait, Don't be dead. Is Chris Paul a football player or a basketball player? Football player. Okay. I'm not sure about the the other person's a basketball player, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah he, he plays definitely. for OKC. He led the NBA in steals six years in a row. That was a few years ago. He was young. Do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us today. This has been Devin, Wes, and Jenna on Ball Talk. Ball Talk. Ball top.